Alice, I'm going to ask you a couple of standard questions, okay? Have you or any member of your family ever been diagnosed schizophrenic, mentally incompetent? My uncle thought he was St. Jerome. I'd call that a big yes. Uh, are you habitually using drugs, stimulants, alcohol? No. No, no, just asking. Are you, Alice, menstruating right now? What has that got to do with it? Back off, man. Um, TC and Jake. Hey, Jake. Thanks for uh, welcoming me Welcoming me to Grapevine here. Um, now that we are here and have this opportunity, would you like to go to the Warhammer store once we're done? Yeah, I don't know what that is. I don't recall ever seeing it. It's the uh, the jewel of Grapevines downtown. Uh, across from the uh, the deli that you recommended to me. They have a, a store. It's a it's it's a regular storefront. Uh, looked like it maybe. I'm not saying this with any certainty, but just throwing it a guess could have carried something like school supplies in an earlier bygone day. <laughs> okay. Uh, but now, how are those stores doing these days? I mean, I have to think they're doing bad, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you got it. You got to switch over. Uh, maybe something catered to more niche, like fans of the. Uh, you know, figurine, painted figurine-based uh, board game. War- it's not a board game. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> they have a fucking Warhammer store. There's a big Warhammer figurine. It says Warhammer across well, the top. What is that? I thought that was like You've never Thor's... driven by the thing that says Warhammer? You know, I guess if I had, I just blocked it out. I thought that was like Thor's weapon. Uh, no, it's got, it's got a name. Something Hammer. Army yeah. hammer, I think, is what it is. Yeah, the army hammer. The army hammer. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. It's dude. We got a lot of weird stuff down here. It's uh, you know, like it's the kind of thing where like if you said, uh, oh, it's like Magic the Gathering, then probably bands of both things would be like, no, it's not. Yeah. But uh, it's like Magic the Gathering. Okay. Yeah, you know, there's. A- I mean, there's certainly differences. It's much. It is like it is figurine based. Like I, I, I have not yet walked into the Warhammer store. That feels like the kind of COVID risk I don't need to take. Yeah, uh, you'll risk it uh, not only uh, to get the biscuit, but to get a nice uh, Mark Cuban. I mean, I have dog. to eat to live. Right. I don't have to have Warhammer figurines. Yeah, there's a. It's a weird <clears throat> setup down there with like uh, kitschy sort of you know trinkets and stuff like that's that's a big part i feel like of of grapevine's vibrant economy Mm -hmm. and there's one i pass on the way home that's always been particularly interesting to me on the way home from dan's that's uh it's not called this but in my head it's called everything england oh no that sounds terrible yeah you know for that uh you know vibrant culinary spot that is england if you need to stop in and get whatever it is that those people eat uh meat pies meat pies yeah i don't know it's one of those type of places where they have like you know flags shirts yeah i don't i don't think i'll be going yeah i don't think i will either and honestly i can't believe they're still in business but shout out to them for still being in business so i have a a large topic i've been teasing for uh, weeks possibly months and I have a lot of notes. Well, I'm which, glad because I feel nude AF over here. There's a uh, there's no way I'm going to get to all these notes. So let's start now, so that I have to leave out the uh, the fewest number of them possible. So I I'm trying to remember what would have caused me to be interested in the Oklahoma City bombing. Oh, it was the uh, the the movie. No, the um, 
Blind Spot, the podcast that was about the the nine uh, eleven. Well, it was about nine eleven, but they talked extensively about the first attempt to bomb the World Trade Center. And I had never, I mean, like I knew that someone attempted to bomb the World Trade Center. Um, I had an idea that it was a van in the basement and, you know, just, I knew it was related to Al Qaeda, but I, you know, I, I was learning a lot more details about that. Um, I mean, certainly I had the impression that it did not go as intended. Uh, it did not zero in on this in the podcast too much, but I, I found in the Wikipedia that, it was the uh, the location of the van. I always figured it was just too small and explosive, and they were dummy explosive makers. Turns out, pretty good explosive makers. Uh, they just parked the van in the wrong spot. The intended effect of the uh, the bombing was to cause one tower to fall into the other, thus leveling both towers with just one bomb in uh, the basement of one of the buildings. And uh, yeah, they just didn't park it close enough to the uh, the actual foundational elements that they needed to knock out. It seems like a, a critical oversight <laughs> to go through the rest of the logistical yeah, prep. Yeah, and, and you got to figure a, it's probably the dumbest guy that's like got the park the van job, right? Like it, it certainly wasn't. Uh, well, he's expendable. Ramzi Youssef that was uh, parking the van. Yeah, he he's the uh, the bomb maker. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, the guy that rented the van, uh, like reported it as stolen and then attempted to collect his insurance and then, Little uh, side hustle. <laughs> FBI agents were waiting when, uh, when he attempted that. Um, but yeah, so that, that had me interested in crimes of the nineties and that got me into Oprah, Oklahoma city. Um, where I learned, and I, I do want to take a little detour for this before we get to the main course. So Oklahoma City, uh, there was a guy named Ibrahim Ahmad that lived in Oklahoma City, uh, but was from Jordan and was going to visit family. So bomb goes off around nine, his plane's scheduled for 10. It's got a connection in Chicago and a connection in London. The connection in Chicago, he's pulled off and questioned uh i think for like half hour hour and then put on to a plane to london once he gets to london for whatever reason they're like no we really gotta question him they pull him off they hold him for i guess it's got to be in this notes in front of me uh several hours i want to say it's like six uh they strip searched him in the fucking airport like, just, you know, we want to see everything, like, you know, like, don't hide anything from us. Not charged with anything. And uh, here's the full dossier of evidence against him. He lived in Oklahoma City, a bomb went off there, and then he flew to the yeah. Middle East. That's, that's, that's what they got. Um, yeah, and uh, perhaps after he uh, allegedly had committed this act of terror uh, with a large bomb in Oklahoma City, he then snuck another bomb into his pants or anus. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it feels while, like more of a power boarding, play. While boarding a plane uh, for an international flight. I, I don't know that there's a ton of logic behind that. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably just seems like, you know, the, we, we want to create some frustration. Um, but yeah, so within hours of Oklahoma City going down, there was multiple like uh, instances of cable news being like, we've had a Beirut style bombing in the, uh, the you know, downtown Oklahoma City. Um, CNN aired the names, <laughs> aired the names, including Ibrahim Ahmad, of four different Arab suspects 
within a couple of hours. Like they're just fucking finding random yeah. people. Yeah, just just uh, certainly it's a Muhammad of some kind. I think yeah. we all can agree on that. Um, there was uh, oh uh, in the the days after so. And for everyone who doesn't remember, like, first of all, of course, it was Timothy McVeigh. Um, and uh, he had an accomplice. I had, I was able to pull up his name on a recent podcast, but I'm probably not going to get it here. Um, Quiet. And uh, McVeigh got pulled over, like, just for regular shit, like, within an hour. Like, he was in police custody. It might not have been an hour. It was certainly that day that, like, he just was driving too fast and changed lanes. And they were like, why you got all this in the car? Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that doesn't square with me that somebody that would be able to pull that off would then also be that cavalier in the aftermath. Uh, I know what you mean, but there's a certain kind of guy that, like, knows a lot about bombs, but, like, knows fucking nothing about, like, just living life in a non-dumb way. Like, do your friend... Does that, know a lot about iguanas, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if uh, I had to wager. Your most, uh, you know, um, firework adept friend, were they your smartest friend? or That's a good were point. They kind of a, or were they getting pulled figure? over for not using a turn <laughs> yeah. signal with regularity? That's a good point. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so it, it all, we all get a pretty good idea of it pretty quickly. Um, but, uh, in the days after Oklahoma city, a daycare teacher and her students in Richardson were menaced by a man who shouted, here's a bomb for you lady and hurled a sack of cans at them. They were, uh, I believe at an Islamic center or some kind, or, you know, she was the teacher. It was, it was an Islam based, uh, attack. The, uh, the, the can hurling, um, in Brooklyn, uh, Arab shopkeepers received death threats. A lot of crazy stuff. A lot of crazy stuff going on. Little little side notes of Oklahoma City is that uh, you know they they uh, they they quickly did not <laughs> come to the right conclusions. And I'm sure CNN and acted on those paid despite. restitution. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they made sure Ibrahim people. Ahmad's family was uh, was much better afterwards. No, no, they did not. Did you watch uh, Arlington Road? Not yet. It's on the list. I'll knock it out for you. I, Just uh, a lot of basketball. <laughs> I did take my own advice. I watched it this weekend. And I remembered the Oklahoma City elements. I did not remember. Uh, it's not even not remember. It's as a kid, I would not have registered that they are also talking about Ruby Ridge. Uh, like, I don't want to spoil the movie for you, but it's in there. You're, it's not going to be hard to figure out what I'm talking about once they come to it. Um, so, yeah, that, that is the thing. And I mean, I, you know, I, I think I, that's kind of like the point of the podcast here is like, I, I think probably the first time I heard the words Ruby Ridge that I can recall was from you at some point. Yeah. Like, you know, mentioning some kind of Alex Jones, you know, just like a kind of hand wavy, you know, Bilderberger group, Ruby Ridge, whatever. Yeah. I don't know. It was in probably like a Jim Mars book or something. Uh, it's I talked about a lot around the uh, Cliven Van Bundy that's right. situation. Yeah. Which um, I think I might have. Uh, do you remember that night? Like that was a situation no. where um, <clears throat> their comms were like online, like as it was happening. And you could actually listen to them, like, talking to each other, talking to the police. That's wild. It was a glorious night of, uh, of live tweeting. Like, it was yeah. a, a sporting event. But what year was Ruby Ridge? You would have thought I would have put down a date in here, huh? Um, 92 or 93. Okay. Might be 91. I mean, Oklahoma City was 94, right? Yes. And that, I, wanna, I don't want to let this pass without noting, um, that's the first... 
news event that I have like clear memory of. I remember in first grade watching the Cowboys Super Bowl parade. Uh, that would have been the first one. Um, so I don't know if that counts as a news event. Maybe that's the first news event. But the first kind of like things are going bad and the adults have to solemnly <laughs> tell you about it. Uh, my second grade class, I remember the teachers being like, a bomb just went off at the federal building in Oklahoma City. And me being like, okay. What's a federal building? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it was Magic Johnson AIDS for me. Uh, I, I kind of remember that. I much more clearly remember uh, Shaq going from the Magic to the uh, the Lakers. That's that's a, that's an event that's burned in my memory because Daniel was a uh, Daniel had a real bad bandwagon problem as a kid, and uh, I'm not surprised by that. Kind of liked the Lakers, definitely liked Shaq. Yeah, um, yeah, and I was I was really confused by the fact that. Magic played for the Lakers, but there was a team called the Magic. Dude, I didn't realize that until uh, I think it was when we had uh, Jeff Perlman on uh, recently. And he wrote, he has a book recently about, is it Three Ring Circus maybe? It's a book Sounds about right. the Kobe Shaq Lakers. Uh-huh. I did not recall that Magic Johnson came back to the Lakers like three years out of the league. And came back and was like, hey, uh, I'm, a, I'm a four now. And uh, I'm in charge of this team, and there it was. Was it like 20 games or something like that? It was not much. Yeah, and it was, if I recall correctly, not something that anybody wanted except for Magic. (laughs) Yeah, because you know he had AIDS. Well, no, I think it was more that he was ineffective at that point. But that didn't. How would you be effective whenever (laughs) you have an autoimmune disease? (laughs) Sure. Under the impression it inhibits the peak physical physical performance. Got yourself a little pamplemousse there. Yeah. I feel like that word's had a big two, three years. No doubt. Because I had no idea what that meant before LaCroix. Yeah, drinking a LaCroix. Yeah, pamplemousse. It's delicious. So, talking about Ruby Ridge in its entirety, you, uh, you can go back to the events depicted in the film uh what's it called what's the name of the oliver stone radio movie uh this is gonna be a tough episode just i can feel like my memory is not in the mood to play along with these things and we have talk radio just the name of the the movie is talk radio the one where the dude at cliff gets spoiler yeah. Murked in the station parking lot. Yeah, and that's based on a real event. There was a, a radio host in Denver. His name was Alan Berg. And uh, some neo-Nazis killed him uh, in part because of the inflammatory nature of his uh, content of his show and uh, also because he was Jewish. Yeah. And so that was kind of the first thing that put on the radar of uh, the FBI or whatever um, – that uh, white nationalist extremists were something that we need to pay attention to. Because I, I believe that that group, the Allenberg group, uh, did a number of other things. Like they committed other terror activities and just were causing problems. And it, it became clear that the, the, the people who surely everyone had been aware of, like that there's neo-Nazis somewhere doing white supremacy things together, um, you know, like there, there were parts of the West where they had like, you know, Aryan communes more or less, so, you know, that they would call it that, you know, like they were giving it a go of like, you know, we're going to be in Oregon, we're going to be in Idaho 
and uh, we're gonna fucking you know make our the the, the cleansing of the uh, you know the or a, a society based only on the white race starts here in this little camp here, and we'll just grow from there. And if you recall, uh, we learned. <clears throat> From the research of one of our compatriots who was on the trip with us, that uh, Whitefish, Montana, long uh, heralded as a, a bastion of, of these communities. And yeah, it wasn't me who figured <laughs> this out. <laughs> it wasn't anyone white. No. Um, he was like, hey, are you guys, you guys sure about this? <laughs> Is this safe? <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, you've got these communities in uh, in Idaho, Oregon, Washington in general. You know, I think the the name proposed by the guy who was really pushing for this was to call it Cascadia, right? Are we besmirching Cascadia like that? I thought Cascadia was chill vibes, bro. Like I mean, that I, it was. There's both. Okay, and I might be wrong. One of them might be called something else, but I, I'm a pretty dope sure. Flag, if you've never seen it. Yeah, no, there, there are like just like cool folks in the uh, Oregon, you know, in the Portland and Seattle area that are just like you know feel strongly about the region that have their own flag and everything. But uh, I believe that they, that he would use the word Cascadia. The I did not know white that. nationalist guy that was like. You know, uh, they get Africa. We should have something for ourselves. Uh, uh, you know, uh. so how about the Pacific Northwest? Um, and so, I, uh, as best I can understand, I don't believe that that had anything to do with why Randy Weaver and his family moved from Iowa to Idaho. Uh, I think that was just, uh, he was raised in a religious household, uh, raised on a farm. His wife... In a way that was like misunderstood throughout most of the conflict, also had strong beliefs. Like, if anything, it was more like he was kind of like, Yeah, you know, I think uh, that America has fallen out of step with God and we need to get back on a godly path and like, you know, we need to listen to the Lord. Like, he had his own fundamentalist beliefs, like, but kind of in a passive way. She was more the one. Like, uh, I think that there was reports that she would, she believed that she was having visions, things oh, like that. We got a and Heaven's Gate sitch. There was some amount of, like, direct communication. You know, she she had strong ideas. And I there was, you know, talk, um, the uh, American Experience PBS documentary on this that was recommended to me by a listener uh, actually has extensive, like, most of the documentary is just a one-on-one interview with uh, Randy Weaver's daughter who was in in the cabin as all of this was unfolding. And um, maybe it was, it was her that uh, certainly there was reports that um, during like the, you know, the time before the standup got heated that Randy would be like, ah, you know, fuck it. Maybe I'll just go and go down to the courthouse and see if I can't settle this. And Vicky would be like, fuck no. Like we, we got to force the issue here. Like this is, this, this is, is a good versus evil point. situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, Armageddon is coming for us. It starts when, you know, fucking federal agent steps foot on this property. And so we want it like, don't fucking do something that averts this like cleansing conflict that we need to occur was his wife's viewpoint. Um, but yeah, so they moved to Idaho, uh, moved to Ruby Ridge for, you know, the religious kind of like live off the land, have a more isolated lifestyle, like just get away from, uh, you know, the, the bullshit that they view as, uh, is, is, is turning away from God and happen to, I don't want to, I don't want to like 
I'm not trying to whitewash Randy here. He was a white supremacist. Like, he did believe that, like, uh, because it was, there was some uh, amount of church that was, like, wrapped up in this. Like, that there was a, a church group active in his area at the time that, like, tied in the, like, the, the you know, final war between all peoples spoken about in uh, Revelations and the race war were, like, kind of the same thing. Yeah. And, like, you know, we're, we're hand in hand. And so, like, that he would turn his religious beliefs into kind of like a white supremacist thing. So, like, he's, uh, it's, it's a tough, and it's, it kind of speaks to the way our brains work and the way that we, uh, you know, like, move through the world. That in this situation, whenever you look at the two sides, Randy Weaver and the federal government, it's very clear who the villain is. It's the federal government. Like, you know, by the time all the facts are laid out, I, I hope that will be exceedingly obvious. And so then you have a tendency to be like, well, if they're the bad guys, then like, here's the good guys. And so at every turn, I kind of like there is a part of me that because I want this like good guy, bad guy dichotomy is like sort of being like, well, let's just try and understand what Randy meant by that. (laughs) I would not uh, I would not traverse that world <laughs> yeah 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 no i i i'm just i'm just calling that out so that if it, yeah. you know if it appears that i'm being pulled by that too much that i can be frank about uh you know like i i know those are incorrect instincts i know that the truth is that like there's two bad guys here but just you know whatever you think whatever because i mean anytime it's uh the state acting with force against an individual you imagine yourself as the individual or i do a lot of people do some people don't uh that's how we end up with you know uh people on both sides of the issue in this country um, but, uh, you know, so I think about like, if they did all that to my family and then I think like, he's a really sympathetic figure, then you read all this other stuff and you're like, actually, he's a, kind of a bad guy. But, um, so he's, uh, falling in with, uh, these Aryan people to some extent they're like, they, they have like, uh, you know, big like jamborees and stuff. Um, like, <laughs> sounds you know, like a horrible time family cookouts, uh, <laughs> Where, you know, they're not even talking that much about the supremacy of their race. It's just mainly like, you know, oh, how you doing? Mm. Uh, you know, how, how's the, the, the trees coming in this year? Punk I don't know. music. Yeah. And, I mean, probably not even that. I, I think that they, it's they were more... not full American History X? Yeah, I think that they were more like family values people. Okay. You know, like they uh, listen to Elvis or some shit. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, at those, they would be like, we are the Aryan Brotherhood please, Randy, will you join us? And he's just like, that's not me, man. Like, I came out here because I wanted to be an individual. Like, because I wanted my family to be, like, on their own. So it was not to, like, be a part of a different group. It was to be, be off away from, from a group. Yeah, but, you know, these are the people he socializes with. These, This is his network of, you know, friends or whatever. Um, so that all definitely is going on. And because of the Allen Berg thing... The FBI and the ATF are just buzzing around this area, this group. Uh, they they want to have a handle on what's going on there. They and if anything gets too far, they want to you know root out all these people because the uh, the Aryan uh, people that came that did the Allenberg thing like started there. Like they were a splinter group from this Aryan Brotherhood that uh, that, that Randy lived near, and so uh, an informant for the ATF. 
um, befriends Randy, you know, acting like saying I'm an Aryan, you know, brotherhood guy, um, and sets up with Randy to uh, to purchase two sawed off shotguns. And uh, I think that this was kind of a like, you know, I mean, Randy wasn't making a lot of money, uh, you know, like they they were just living off the land. They the um, on the compound, you know, I mean, it was it was just some cabins that they had built themselves. Uh, had no indoor plumbing. They had a uh, a special cabin for his wife Vicky, just where she would go during that time of the month. All right kind of period island work it out that's what we're talking about here <laughs> she had a little period cabin <laughs> that's just awful so that's that's the kind of things that we're going okay. on here so that's Seems like, like a the, lot of work the level like of poverty that we're other, talking about yeah. yeah 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 but you know they got the wood they got the manpower uh you know and so they um they you know he he Thinks that selling the couple of sawed-off shotguns, that's going to bring quite a bit of resources. Very Oregon Trail existence. And yeah. It seems like an option in the Oregon Trail should be saw off the barrels of some shotguns, get you a little extra for it. Might throw the period cabin in there. <laughs> Once you settle there, at least the period wagon. <laughs> Do a little barter. Um, and so uh, he sells the two guns to the, the federal agent. They're attempting to build a case uh, you know, on, on the, uh, the higher-ups and everything. And it's at one point this uh, ATF agent gets burned by an FBI agent who like wants to appear like you can trust him, which like I would love to know how that went down in like the interagency meetings, you know, <laughs> like what the fuck, dude? Yeah. I'm trying to do my job here, you know, the same one as yours, and uh, you just you're just out here telling people I work for the ATF. So at that point he can't continue on in that uh, in that down you know what he had been doing. So his superior is like, just get out of there and uh, charge Weaver with selling the two sawed-off shotguns because that's illegal. You can't saw off a shotgun, and then use the uh, the threat of the charges against him to tell him to roll on the next person up. And uh, if he doesn't, then you know fucking charge him with uh, carry out the threat. And Weaver is adamant that he's not talking to no fucking pig. Like that, that Especially is the thread. Especially not the feds. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, no, that's the thread running through all this. That he has a deep skepticism of any kind of government that, you know, exists well before this. That's why he moved to Idaho from Iowa, you know, is because he just wants free from control of any kind of authority structure. And so he's like, I'm not saying a goddamn word. Uh, and so they do charge him with uh, having the two guns. Um, he, you know, gets, oh, to, uh, to charge him, this is another important thing. Uh, they have two ATF agents post up outside his property and act like a husband and wife whose car is having trouble. And then so whenever the Weaver family comes up on them, they get out to try and help them get their car started. And they're like, you know, fucking Bill Smith, FBI, or ATF, you got to come with me. So you got a guy who already doesn't trust the federal government, where they're like literally tricking him into mm -hmm. this kind of shit. And then whenever uh, he does get charged and everything, um, he gets out on, or he's, he's released and uh, given a court date. There's a whole back and forth. I, I have a lot of notes about uh, the, the various things, but 
the date of his trial gets reported various different things at different times from different people. There's confusion about the date of the trial, or at least a reasonable person could be confused. He was told a couple different things a couple different times. And so uh, whenever, whenever he doesn't show, um, you know, I, I think it's a live question it's to some extent, you know, of like how clear it was. But I think that the biggest thing is that he interprets all of that as further proof that the government is trying to fuck him. Like, that the, they're giving him an unclear date, so if he doesn't show up to the right one, that they can then be like, well, you missed your date, so fucking taking you away. Um, so he just doesn't come down from the mountain at all. Uh, he just says, I'm going to be up there, and uh, you guys can fuck off. Uh, judge puts out, you know, bench warrant saying that he's a fugitive from justice. Uh, they do give him, so there was some question about whether or not the date was, uh, I think, February 21st or March 21st. They do give him until March 21st before they attempt any enforcement action. Um, but then at that point, uh, it's, you know, the, it's forwarded to the, the U.S. Marshal Service is the one that handles all this. And so the marshals, over the course of several months, are trying to feel out the threat level here and, you know, get a sense of whether or not they can take him because they know he has guns. So their their ultimate fear is that if they drive up in marshals' cars, this is why they did the whole uh, trick with the, the pretending like they were stranded motorists, is because they they are very concerned that if they drive up to his property, that he's just going to open fire. Um, and this is kind of like the seed of how all of this goes, is that they just don't appear to have good intelligence on the situation. They totally miss that his wife is more aggressive than him. Uh, he's reported at one point, whenever the ATF is like putting out their, you know, like uh, this guy needs to be brought in. Um, that he's like uh, wanted for bank robberies, which is totally not true. Um, the only illegal thing that it appears he has ever done is sold those sawed-off shotguns. Like, he's a weird guy who has some very aggressive anti-government beliefs, but he's not spending a lot of his time doing illegal shit. Oh, I gotta mention, um, that ATF agent that he sold the sawed-off shotguns to, he did at one point... Like, the words left his mouth, we should form a group to overthrow the Zionist-occupied government. You knew it was a matter of time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, I don't want to present it as, like, you know, again, like, there's that, that push-pull. He's a racist. Yeah, he's a racist, and he, like, gives idle talk to action. Yeah. Like, there's no evidence of him ever attempting to, like, form a group to overthrow the Zionist-occupied <laughs> government. But, uh, you know, he's, he's like, throwing it out as an idea. You know what I mean? Like uh, uh, like in the Quaker City Nighthawks song, Colorado, the, uh, the woman who's always saying that she's about to move to Colorado. Yeah. Uh, we all know she's not moving to Colorado. Uh, we all know that Randy Weaver is not attempting to overthrow the Zionist-occupied government. Um, I would say the government is not occupied by Zionists at all. In That's fact. a... I, I appreciate uh, you going out on that limb. Thank you. Yeah. Um... But, uh, yeah, so, so the, he has said stuff like that, but, you know, just, I don't know. It, in that county, there were people that did considerably more to, you know, attempt to uh, be a thorn in the side of the government than, uh, than this guy. And so they're, uh, they're doing this whole bit of trying to uh, uh, 
assess what level of threat he is, figure out how they're going to get him because he is, you know, he's on a mountain. Like he's in a pretty good position. Um, they do a level of surveillance that I like kind of wasn't even sure was possible at the time. Like how small could cameras have been? Like, you know, our, it's not our, like satellite imagery. It's like actual. They might have mixed in some of that, but uh, yeah, they had they had motion activated cameras set up around the property. The U.S. Marshals did, and so they had observed that every time a car would come up, that uh, people in the family would take like defensive positions with arms. Because um, so, they had a, a number of children, fourteen uh, year old son. Um, I, th- I think that the 14-year-old might have been the oldest, or Sarah might have been slightly older than him, but that that's around the top cluster, and then going all the way down to, uh, there was a 10-month-old, I believe, uh, in, in the in the house. Um, and so, yeah, the, the older kids would, uh, would would take up their uh, the defensive spots whenever anyone approached. And so, you know, the... I, I don't know that like it's 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 the classic thing of uh, I mean this is like a the, the crux of the case is like is that because like they're worried or like like are like do they want to shoot someone or do they want to not be shot themselves so they're trying to be ready mm-hmm. and the government constantly interprets this as they want to shoot someone whereas I think that there's a good amount of evidence that it's just that they don't want to be shot themselves they you know I mean fuck dude. They just had some agents like hiding in their driveway, pretending to be stranded motorists. Like, who the fuck knows what they're going to do next? You know, referring to the federal government. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've uh, they, they've got this situation, and uh, the the marshals are trying to understand more and more uh, what what the, the the deal is on the ground, and they ultimately send in uh, a six man team, three of which set up. Like, uh, you know, to kind of like be the communications and planning or whatever, like that, like they split off into teams of three and three. And the second team of three is like going around doing recon on the property. Like they're snooping around armed on a private citizen's property. And, uh, they want, they know there's several dogs on the property. They want to know how much the dogs are sensitive and how they'll react. So they throw a rock at the house. Uh, the dogs freak the fuck out. The family inside interprets it as uh, the dogs uh, smell game, and they haven't been able to leave their property in about nine months. So all they're living off of is if they can shoot a squirrel. So they grab their rifles and go to try and get the squirrel. Oh, wow. Um, the dogs, you know, are figuring out that it's the federal agents. Um, I'm trying to recall exactly the situation with... Uh, so Randy is there. You got a, a neighbor named Kevin who has been with the family through a lot of this, um, and you know is there the full time in the the siege after you know these events transpire. And their uh, their fourteen year old son, I believe his name is Sandy, and uh, Sandy and Kevin are with the dog. Um, Randy sees the agents and is kind of like you know sizing them. Like they're both sort of like standing there looking at each other. Uh, the dog emerges, one of the age, or this is hard to parse because the two sides have very different narratives of the entire thing. You know, um, each side says the other shot first. Of course. But what, what Randy and Kevin say is that, uh, whenever, whenever Kevin, Sandy and the dog emerge, um, 
the dog is, you know, being aggressive, and one of the agents shoots the dog. And then Sandy says, you son of a bitch, you shot my dog, and uh, takes a shot at them. And at that point, they're returning fire. Um, they, uh, Kevin, or, yeah, so there's a firefight at that point. Like, at, at, like, I think that Sandy fires the shot and then is, like, running to retreat. You know, like, he doesn't want to just be, like, standing in an open field with a gun having fired. Um, as he's running to retreat, one of the uh, U.S. Marshals, I think I said ATF a second ago, it's US, U.S. Marshals, one of the Marshals agents shoots the 14-year-old. Uh, he dies. In the back, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. As, as he's running away for cover. Um, at that point, Kevin shoots uh, one of the Marshals and kills him. And uh, I believe it's one of the most decorated Marshals in the history of the Marshal Service. Like, he was, you know, one of their, their top guys. Um, when uh, Randy Weaver relayed that, he gave an interview to some, like, right-wing podcast a couple of years ago. Uh, I believe it was at a diner in Whitefish. <laughs> or no, it was uh, it was Kalispell. Kalispell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to fly in because uh, they after like I think they lived there for a little bit after this, but he, he relocated to Kalispell shortly after this all uh, went down, and I believe has lived out in Kalispell since then. I think he's still alive. Um, and uh, so on on this like uh, right wing podcast. Uh, I think it's just like they're in a diner, like with a, uh, an open recorder, and they, they play the audio on uh, another podcast I listen to of uh, Randy being like, Yeah, he said it was one of their top guys, so good to get with him. Ugh. Yeah, so, you know, that's Randy. Um, and uh, so at that point, they, uh, they grab Sandy's body, they drag him back, put him in uh, one of the cabins, not the cabin that they're living out of and the main siege is going out of. But, could uh, have been the period cabin. Could have been the period cabin. Yeah, unoccupied. I, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, at that point, federal agent is dead. Yeah. So this is where it pops off. Like, within a couple hours, it's hundreds and hundreds of agents surrounding the property. Um, you know, they've, they've got like a, a protest area where like the neighbors are showing up and being like, you fucking stay away from them. They're good people. Uh, and like, you know, the press is there. They're giving like, you know, every couple hours what the FBI guy will come out and like give a press conference. Cause a lot of this is, you can see a lot of this on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there, I don't know how much of the firefight there is, but there's a ton of, Ruby I mean, no Ridge cameras around on. for the firefight as far as I know. I mean, <clears> the Definitely aren't because it remains so contested as to yeah, what I guess actually that's happened. True. But yeah, you can see a lot of you can see them rolling in for sure. But yeah, at at the point like after the the shooting of the marshal, um, all that's when it's a media event and like you know we're getting constant updates and everything like that. And uh, so on the flight out from Washington, uh, one of the high up FBI agents like who's kind of in charge of this whole thing, uh, drafts the rules of engagement for everyone who's going to be involved in this. And oh, good. Just this, kind of on the fly there. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to kind of like, I think that there's standards, but it's sort of like, you know, the situation, you know, like uh, based on the threat level, you got to modify how much force you're willing to bring. Right. And it is a warrant. Yeah. Yeah. It is a warrant. It's not just an, you know, it, it's somebody who's already a fugitive. Yes. Not just like a uh, investigation. But so this is like the crucial thing. And I mean, 
at the point that my 14-year-old son is dead, I've got a pretty big fucking problem. Yeah. Uh, and I don't really, like, I don't know. I can't even really see. If it's me, I'm not stepping on the guy. Like, unless, unless I'm rolling up with a lot of force, like, to take him in. Like, if that was the route that they wanted to go. It's just be like, let's end this, end this quickly, show up with overwhelming force, bring him in. I guess I get it. But sneaking around, like throwing rocks to like fuck with them and everything like that, that seems like a pretty big fucking mistake. But that's kind of like a everything's happening fast, you know, like who knows kind of thing. As they're drafting these rules of engagement on like an airplane, you know, I mean, it's not like there's bullets flying, you know, like the guy's sitting in fucking first class, like with a legal pad writing out, like, what's a good idea here? And uh, the rules of engagement they come up with, it's basically telling them, like, if you see one of them and you can see they have a gun, fucking kill them. Yeah. And uh, they had known at this point that all of them always carry guns. Like, that's what the surveillance had told them that they'd been doing earlier. Um, so they've got uh, FBI snipers on on uh, on hand. And uh, at one point... Randy and Kevin uh, go to check on Sammy's body after a couple days, just like make sure it's not been disturbed or anything. So they're going to cabin to cabin. Uh, I believe before they get there, um, Sniper takes a shot. Uh, he's trying to get Randy in the spine, I believe, but moves at the last second. It hits Randy, but like it's not a serious injury. Um, at that point, Randy is running back to the main cabin. And I think he's taking aim at Kevin at that point. Um, the sniper shoots Kevin. The bullet goes through Kevin because, I mean, high-powered sniper rifle. Kills Vicky Weaver with a 10-month-old in her hands. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Who, you know, was not armed. No. No, 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 no. And it, it did hit Kevin. So then Kevin <laughs> and Randy are in the cabin with the kids. Vicky's dead. But because, so it went through Kevin and it went through a door. Uh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) So they don't know that Vicky's dead. So as they like continue with their like propaganda stuff of like, I I don't believe that there was a phone in the house. Um, I mean, surely if there's no running water. Yeah, I was going to say priority wise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they're just like, you know, going at them with bullhorns and shit, you know, just like using as loud of things as they can to get to the the cabin and like deliver a message. And because they've misread the situation and just assume that Randy is the aggressor, uh, they think that the, the voice of reason they can appeal to is Vicky. So all of the these bullhorn messages are like, Vicky, come out. You know, this is a, you know, like, we can, we can make this work. Like, think of your children. And, like, as they're saying this, like, they can see fucking Vicky's body that's been blown apart, like, sitting over there. Uh, and so they interpret it as, like, Jesus Christ, they're fucking with us in a cruel way. Uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's somewhat a testament to, like, how much we ought to respect the difficulty of communication and the different understandings that exist between two peoples, you know, like just getting everything right. is just so hard. Like, especially in a situation, you're just like making this. so many assumptions. Like we all rely on in, in every second of our lives 
on filling in information gaps that we don't have. And whenever we do so too confidently and trust ourselves too much and be like, every time I fill in, I'm fucking right about that. It just creates a lot of problems. Um, and so, you know, the, the definitely feeling taunted. Ultimately, that doesn't have any more effects. No one else dies. You know, this is, this is the end of the, the death count. Uh, the, uh, the, the federal marshal, the 14-year-old son, and the, uh, the wife. Um, Kevin eventually just, like, uh, is doing bad. You know, like uh, he's been shot. Yeah. He's bleeding out. There's no like food or medical attention in the cabin. He thinks he's going to die soon. So he's kind of like, yeah, I got to go. Um, there's also like uh, some kind of uh, crazy like right wing figure that uh, they like have. Sh- like he, I think it's like launching like a third party presidential bid. It's like uh, 1992 Baked Alaska. Yeah. Just kind of capitalizing on the scene. And and so, like, the, the feds attempt with some amount of success to, like, use him to be like, hey, they'll listen to you. Like, go down there and tell Bake them. Baked would never. It's okay. Baked absolutely would. <laughs> yeah, he would. And especially since just as we were talking about last week, I don't know, the head guy in charge of the largest white, uh, right-wing, well, white supremacist militia right now is a 10-year criminal informant yeah 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 (laughs) it's not entirely off the board another thing uh they find out i believe from one of the neighbors that the one piece of technology they do have in the cabin is uh they have a radio and they find out that uh it's the wave of the future i hear (laughs) they're they're hardcore dedicated listeners to uh the paul harvey show like the and now you know the rest of the story guy. Oh, you don't got to tell me, bro. Okay. I had a I had a long, long dalliance with Paul Harvey when I was a kid, man. My uh, stepdad was really, really into him, and I loved that show. And so there, Good there, day. there is a Paul Harvey episode that you can find the audio. Of this I probably should have come with it of Paul being like he's appealing to them. Randy, I understand you're a listener. That's incredible. And I want to let you know right now, if you come out, no one else will be hurt. That's incredible. Yeah. That's the sort of thing that if you saw in a movie, you would be like, this would never happen. Yeah. No, it fucking happened. They, they got his uh, like nationwide telecast wow. to just be uh, sending a message to one fucking dude in a cabin. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, eventually they do say that, like, we'll give up the guns. Uh, we'll come out. Um, they are immediately taken into custody, as you might imagine. Uh, what sort of time are we looking at here? Well, so they're put on trial. Kevin's put on trial for uh, the shooting of the, the marshal. And uh, Randy's put on trial for a whole host of things. I think that they have him in for the shooting of the marshal. They've got him on the gun charges. They've got him on the failure to appear. And then I think that they tack on all kinds of, you know, like conspiracy or whatever. Um, and... Uh, they go to trial and, you know, present their side. Like, you know, the, the federal agents appear and, like, tell their story of, like, uh, we came out and Kevin started shooting at us. He hit the one guy and we were just returning fire. And, oops, I guess we killed a 14-year-old. Uh, and Kevin and, uh, and Randy both tell the story uh, that, you know, the federal agent opened fire on the dog. Uh, kid said, you shot my dog, you son of a bitch. And then fucking, you know, that's how it started. Uh, the jury listens to all that, and they acquit. That's incredible. 
They say that if you're fucking showing up, walk like sneaking onto someone's property and like shooting their dog, like you're just kind of asking for it after that. Like we do have like that's what it means whenever you buy a piece of fucking property. Like okay, you but get some amount of like protection from this sort you of do, thing. But so and I don't know the specifics of this case, jury makeup, um, the site. But I mean, there were other people in Idaho. I, th- I want to say it was in, like, Boise or something. But that is uh, – and I know this from uh, watching six and a half because I believe they uh, they halved one of the seasons uh, of The Shield. Mm-hmm. That is not an uncommon warrant-serving move. Now, it should be illegal, but a lot of times if you're serving a warrant, I would imagine you know that the people that you're serving are possibly dangerous and possibly armed. And yeah. I don't think the throw-a-rock thing is uh, – I don't think that's without precedent, and I would wonder, well, I don't wonder, I think I know, you know, if you have drug dealer guy, and maybe that should factor into it, although from a legal uh, standpoint, it probably shouldn't, uh, who is having a warrant served on him, and you throw a rock at his house, and when he comes outside and he's armed, and a law enforcement agent ends up dead, that dude is not getting acquitted. So I would be interested if, the fact that this happened in a place that has like, you know, its own bent of independence from all the man and especially the federal man played massively, massively in his favor. Yeah. And I would I mean, think so, because, yes, you're right. You purchase a piece of property, but also you have a warrant out for your arrest. You've skipped trial at least once, if not twice. And, you know, I, I think that I think the jury, I mean, I would assume that they like know also, like, these people, these same, you know, group shot his wife a couple days later. Like... Yeah, that's true, too. There's it, some amount of, you know, you just look at the full scope of the situation. Like, kind of what the uh, OJ, OJ jury did, which, you know, I, I would I would not, like, say is a great model for jurying. No. <laughs> but, like, you, you look... You, you are a person. We're trying you to balance the, the ledger for what this and agency's like, done. Yeah, they, they just fucking killed his wife and kid. Like, do we want to pile more on? No. No, we don't at all. That's wild. I did not know whenever I was throwing this around like it was in my, uh, to quote the musers, my bingo card for a couple years that he was completely acquitted. But it is kind of weird, though. So the neighbor got off entirely. Uh, Randy, all the charges he stood on. Wow, the um, neighbor? The one that shot the marshal. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. They were like, that's self-defense. homeowner, but... Um, I mean, you know, I think he's acting as the homeowner or whatever, you know, like they, they just were like, this whole situation starts when the marshals are traipsing around the property. I guess they're certainly, they were buying that the marshals shot first. And so, you know, if you have marshals walking onto your property and shooting guns and like one of them gets killed in the firefight that ensues that they started, like they're not sending Kevin to, uh, to jail for that. Uh, Randy, they acquitted him. On the initial gun charges, even like, uh, but but did convict on the uh, failure to appear, uh, and then um, counted that as time served. Like you know, just he had been in jail awaiting trial. Okay, and so whenever the trial's done, he's pretty much uh, done with everything. Is there a good movie about this? Uh, I don't know if there's a good movie about this, 
But Laura Dern does star as Vicky Weaver uh, with uh, Randy Quaid as Randy Weaver. Randy Quaid is the only option for this. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, unfortunately made-for-TV film. Ah. Uh, I think it was a miniseries, but then like turned into like a... I don't know if it was theatrical release, certainly home video. Uh, so I, I have not watched that yet, but I, I'd like to. Yeah, I'm not um, going to put it above the OKC movie, but uh, <laughs> dude, you know what's weird too is like if you think about this. So this definitely was before Waco, right? Yes. Weird bent of the '90s of just, and I guess it's it's possible you could just linearly track it and say that it's no, it's nothing compared to now. Whenever we had people like actually storming <laughs> the federal building, but. A lot of 90s conflict based on, you know, F the Fed. And I don't know if that was like, you know, because at this point, like, it's not even like Bill Clinton is president, I don't think, right? I mean, he was for Waco, but he's not for this. Right. Yeah. So, but so between Oklahoma City, this, and Waco, and then it kind of feels like it went away for a while. Yeah. Now, white supremacist and uh, white based white supremacist based terrorism. I mean, we've all seen the graphs in the last like month or two. It's shocking, you know. At least it's shocking based on what if you did like a content analysis of news coverage on these things. But I don't know. That's that's a weird moment in time that I've I guess I've never really considered that we just had this whole like you know you're not coming to get me thing for like a five six year window there. Yeah, and I mean... Because I don't... You know what I guess, really, basically, is for whatever reason, 9-11, it felt like that... That wiped this off the recession the of... Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 at back that point, the, yeah. the only thing was, yeah, Arab terrorism. But uh, so a lot of what you're talking about uh, is this. The existence of, uh, like, militia groups explodes after Ruby Ridge. Really? Because, you know, it like... So they got what they wanted, or what Randy she wanted. Randy Weaver had, yeah, more or less. Yeah, like, her basic theory of the case, you know, like, the angels didn't come down, like she was saying. But, like, uh, he, he was the kind of person who was constantly in fear that agents were going to come onto his property and kill his family. And then they fucking did. So, before that they did, he looks like a crazy guy. You know, I mean, this is a good enough allegory for the situation, right? Of, like, any person who says, like, ah, I think the feds are out to get me. You're like, yeah, dude, sure they are. Fucking boogeyman's under your bed, too. Yeah. Uh, and then it happens. Head back to Denton. And, um, you know, you're, it's fucking a, a, a large explosion in other... Like, now every other person who kind of had that thought in their head, them and everyone around them is like... Yeah, I mean, you know, it it did happen, so it's, it's probably a matter of time. But slight counterpoint to that, though, like even though it did happen, it was almost at least in part, you know, fomented by his own actions and their own actions. I mean, so like, yeah, it's your the barest of there, actions. But, yeah, but I mean, you're doing he had a legal minor arms. charge that's like a pretty fucking like like ultimately a charge he was ultimately acquitted on. That's true. Uh, and then you're like. Go and ha- um, the federal government has largely acknowledged that they were wrong about this. Uh, there was a Senate subcommittee. Uh, there was a Department of Justice investigation. Both of them were like, "You guys fucked up pretty bad." Um, and the way that they've conducted themselves ever since. Uh, there was a gentleman in uh, in our area. Um, I think that the place he was going out to is somewhere around Greenville, up like the town, not the street. 
um, that uh, injured a sheriff's officer and had an outstanding warrant. And so he holed up and was like, you can fucking come and get me. And uh, they waited him out like 20 years and then dropped the charges. Wow. And just he never left his property during that time. And they were like, yeah, I guess that's good enough. And he didn't even have to pay an exorbitant rate to Richie Witt. To, <laughs> That's to, right. To have that level of seclusion from, <laughs> yeah. the, from the authorities, he's so disdained. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was not involved in Trident Lakes, although you you imagine that he would have been interested in the sure. pitch. Yeah, he's at least in the target um, target demo. But yeah, that that became much more common as a way. You know, I mean, they're gonna have this problem of people who don't want to come in for warrants and are in isolated areas where they're well armed, and their response since has been. I mean, you know, if you're not going to leave your house, then... But you probably have to fold Waco into that, right? Like, that. Yes. you had a couple yeah, of events yeah, yeah. like that that both just... And I wonder, too, just how much the proliferation of, you know, because this all is, like, kind of happening right around cable news. And so yeah. a lot in the same way that people talk about Vietnam and how that changed, whether it was the draft because it was happening on TV or the way that we fight now... I don't know that if this happens in the 70s that it plays out the same way. Because now it's like, man, people saw what we did. <laughs> like People saw all that and they were yeah, tuned and, in every and night. Like and like you said, yeah, that there was, there was good coverage of it. Yeah. Um, and so uh, do the, in the, the American Experience one, they, they show the FBI press conference where they announce that they've killed Vicky. Like, that's a fucking wild moment. Like... The crowd is just like, like the guy is trying to kind of like deliver the news as best he can. He's like, you know, um, so we did have an engagement and uh, Randy was shot and uh, Vicky was killed. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone's like, total accident though, bro. And then just like yelling. The bullet went through another person. It did. Come on. It did. Um, And there was a, a memo from a deputy director of the FBI I think that this came out at the trial and was uh, was certainly helpful. Uh, where he he wrote on the memo something to consider, and then a series of four bullet points: one, charge against Weaver is bullshit; two, no one saw Weaver do any shooting. Like in ref- in reference to the uh, the the is the neighbor that shot the agent because mm-hmm. they like they don't they don't approach it as like like they just have a very monolithic. Randy, you need to come out. Like, you need to stop this. It, it really is. Like, the entire family is in this compound. They're together as one unit. Um, like, they just have a unit. They're acting, you know, like it's the kids taking up defensive positions. It's this neighbor shooting the federal, the marshal. Um, like, that's, that's just another way that they get it wrong. They think of it as, like, a Randy thing. It's like... You're dealing with this whole fucking mountain community, bro. Um, but yeah, so no one has seen him, Randy do any shooting. Uh, Vicky has no charges against her. Uh, Weaver's defense, he ran down the hill to see what his dog was barking at. Some guys in camouflage shot his dog, uh, started shooting at him, killed his son. Harris did the shooting. He is in a pretty strong legal position. That is what an FBI deputy director writes while the siege is going on. Yeah, I mean, that checks out. Yeah. I wonder, I mean, it's probably pretty unlikely that they were able to properly identify themselves. And I think that, I don't know that he was writing that specifically about the rules of engagement, but there were, like, snipers and personnel working that upon receiving those rules of engagement were like, 
are you sure about this? Yeah. Like, I don't think that this fits with what I was trained on what I'm allowed to do. Yeah. Like, the, the normal rules of engagement are, like, if you think that you are going to die or that an innocent person is going to die, you can act to prevent that. That's it. This idea of, well, if you see they're armed, then fucking open season. Um, and so that's the big thing that uh, the change in the federal government going forward is the Department of Justice investigation and the, uh, the Senate investigation uh, both found that they violated the constitutionality uh, rules around uh, rules of engagement kind of stuff. Like the, the, the we are, as American citizens, promised more than if you have a gun on you, uh, we can shoot to kill. Um, on your property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Arlen Specter was the, uh, blast the, from the past senator that was in charge of, uh, that committee. He was, um, you know, re- Republican. So he's the one in charge. Uh, the ranking member from the Democrats, uh, looked at this entire, um, business about, uh, let me read my note here. Um, the, yeah. So the department of justice found that the second shot, like the, the first shot at Randy, uh, you know, the one that, the, where he moved, um, I think that they were like somewhat all right with that, but uh, the, the second shot was found to be uh, did not satisfy the legal standards for deadly force. Uh, the Arlen Specter Center report agreed with the Department of Justice's findings. The uh, ranking member for the Democrats dissented from agreeing that that second shot did not satisfy the uh, legal grounds. She said that in fact it was fine. Uh, that's Diane Feinstein. Okay, well, I was, they're going to come for some of our faves, as uh, <laughs> yeah. you heard a couple years ago related uh, to Epstein. Because most of the stuff that like is about her now is like you know that she's walking around and doesn't know where she is, um, and like true enough, I'm I'm disturbed by those reports, but also uh, there's a ton of stuff where she's a piece of shit. So Diane Feinstein, fuck you. Um, <laughs> Jeez. So, uh, at the point, once, once Randy's trial is done, uh, he said, in fact, we're not done in court. We will be suing the federal government, uh, for the wrongful death of his, his wife and son. And Uh, dog. He sues for $200 million. (laughs) They, uh, they settle out of court. Randy receives 300,000 and, uh, each of his three surviving children get a million apiece. Okay. And uh, at, at the time that that settlement is announced, an anonymous source with the Department of Justice talks to the Washington Post and says, we were extremely relieved. We're pretty sure they could have gotten the 200 if they pushed for it. 200? They killed his wife and son, dude. People get a lot less. For I wouldn't a, accept a 200 million for that. Boy, that's a... <laughs> you want to hear the terms of the offer? Well, let me say this, too. As part of me hearing the terms of the offer, I might also be willing to offer myself up for them to get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we go go. best out of three Rochambeau here or what, but I'm certainly not worth that to them. Yeah. That's that's an overpay Um, based on old analytics. (laughs) it's, uh, It's worth noting that as much as the federal agents misunderstood everything that was going on here, uh, the press did a terrible job. Uh, the press were very much putting pressure on the agencies of like, you said you have a warrant for this guy, go get him. Like, re- like in the uh, the months where this was cold, you know, like before they killed the marshal, um, or you know before the marshal died, whatever. 
the uh, you know the, there was there was a lot of like thought we had laws here. You know, he sold shotguns. You got to go get them. Yeah. And like you guys, you know, over here with your dick in your hand. And then just, you know, they were fully going along with the misunderstanding of Frandy as being the, the one driving this and and everything else. And I don't know, you know, just uh, not not a not a fun day for them. If you look back on the things written. Yeah. And look, I don't. uh I don't claim to be any sort of uh, any better than a lot of people who fill those roles, but there is something to a lot of the people who end up covering these stories. They're not really prepared to do so. Certainly whenever they occur in Idaho, they're very okay. But even whenever you get CNN involved, yeah, they're very prepared to do a stand up. And possibly at some point had to work on a copy desk or edit video and do some grunt work to get where they are. But as far as understanding nuance of different political and societal factors that produce something as tragic as this, they don't know. They don't know. And this is how you end up with uh, Brian Williams being on television. I think it was the Libya. That's the one that always stuck out to me. He's like literally reading, like he's doing like Warren Zevon lyrics or some shit. Like as uh, we're showing images of of an American yeah. military advance that is yeah. seemingly pretty indiscriminate. <laughs> and he's providing no context as to how this is happening. And look, we've seen this a million times in every single war and it's not unique to America. But you end up with commentators or presenters as they may call them elsewhere. They don't know what they're talking about. They know how to basically carry the line that is allowed to be carried because they're commercial entities. <laughs> yeah, I would I mean, just say the putting pressure stuff is like, uh, that's 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 not just like uh, reading back the line that was fed to you. That's kind of acting on your own to be like, I'm going to try to set the agenda of the, the that's forces true. here. But you almost certainly feel like But you're there was doing also that. plenty of what you're talking about goes going on. Yeah, and I guess it's Especially once the thing's set up. Like once yeah. the, the press area is set up near the family compound, yeah. like then it's a lot of just repeating whatever the FBI says. Yeah. Um, and you know, the FBI was just they just misunderstood the situation from start <laughs> to finish. They I mean they really did. Um, it's a pretty serious misunderstanding. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, you know, it definitely had me do some thinking about, you know, just, I, I don't know exactly how to apply this. In fact, I'll probably never need to apply this in my life. But just whatever you read about the guy, uh, if you asked him his racial views, they were bad. But I don't think that they were top of mind for him. Like, and this isn't a way of, like, saying that he, like, I've said a million times he's a piece of shit. I'm not attempting to, like, this isn't rehabbing him. This is being interested in people and the way we talk about these things. Um, that I, I just think that 90% of his brain was occupied with this, like, uh, God is coming back kind of stuff. You know, and, like, the he did subsume his racial views into that framework. But, like... I don't think that he cared. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think he gave a shit about the fact that, like, there were people of other races. He probably didn't encounter them often in Idaho. Yeah. And, like, yeah, if he's saying the kind of things he's saying, he's not going to treat them well. And, like, we, we cannot have a society where we tolerate, you know, that kind of thing. But, like, it's just, it's just interesting. Like, whenever you learn 
that someone has those racial views, I think that it is your instinct to be like, that is a defiant. Like, if someone then asks you, like, you know, what's this guy like? He'd be like, well, he's a fucking racist. Um, and, like, I don't think that his self-identity was, like, racist first, you know? Like, I I think that he was focused on the Armageddon stuff. I, I, That's a tricky one. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, just... If, if you have, like, racial views that are too far outside of the mainstream, um, then, like, you are going to be defined by those. But it is possible that, like, you don't really care. You know, like, there's there's plenty of uh, political issues out there that, like, I have a stance, but I don't think about it. I don't read articles about it. I don't give a shit. Yeah, but that's also somewhat conflating like oh i don't really know much about like uh this pipeline with i don't believe people should be treated the same based on you know their ethnicity i'm like i get what you're saying but i also think that it's a pretty easy one to just decide whether or not you believe that people should be treated the same and possibly even recognize the the history that they've been subjected to that one feels like one you don't have to do a ton of yeah, I mean, my research main, on to care about or, or to not care about, I guess, would be more specifically. My, my big point here is uh, that you should not have your wife and son killed on the basis of those beliefs. So, like, that's an easy one, you know? Like, I'm not uh, breaking new ground there. Um, but I guess, you know, I, I'm wondering, like, to what does that extend, you know? Like, because like I said, you, you can't tolerate it. Like, I, I, I'm not going, I would allow someone like that to, to be in my life. I would want to do something to, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, I think, uh, I think as we, like, should they be allowed to live on a compound by themselves in Idaho in peace with those views? I think I'm okay with that. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't want to like. Uh, what, what's what's the other idea? Round them up and uh, yeah. You know, like, no, I hear you. I think uh, my final thing is just I'm a little bit amazed that the woman who was seemingly kind of like the mastermind or at least like the motivating force behind this was willing to go to that other cabin. Like, I would have thought she'd just make him go for <laughs> five days. Like, that's a that's a really sharing relationship of who has to eat the responsibility here for this or that. Like, I he kind of seems it like a worked putz. out better for her. I don't know. How. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's how uh, she was able to and willing to agree to do it because that's, that feels like they both kind of got there here. You got that one. I got you involved in a federal case. That's probably so, going to get some people killed. Yeah. But it's just going to be an easier cleanup the... if it's a smaller space. <laughs> what? Doing Why it would it need to the be whole cabin. doing it over? <laughs> it's just the what whole cabin it? sprayed with it. <laughs> then that's going to be a bitch for anyone oh. who's got to clean that up. Kind of keeping it to a smaller area that's just seems like a good plan of attack. Really, really gross. Uh, wrong plan, wrong size, whatever <laughs> whatever you had earlier. I don't like any of it. I think right size, wrong shape can be a, a, a series that we could talk about throughout the rest of the podcast history. If you want to bring in a right size, wrong shape, you're, uh, you're welcome to do so. Okay. Uh, it's right up there with uh, back on his bullshit. Firing and, Mike uh, Nolan and hiring Dan Quinn. Technology That's it for tonight. The high school <laughs> technology is back. Uh, had it over. Everyone has yeah. been a part yeah. of this. Uh, once upon a time. I'm TC and Jake. All right, good times. We do thank you for watching. Good night.